Welcome to Grass Talk Radio. This show is for people who play bluegrass music and anybody who might want to. The prison guard shut the iron door behind me. Howdy folks and welcome back to Grass Talk Radio. I am pretty certain that if you've been around in the last 10 years, you've seen this little internet meme. And of course, a meme is just a graphic with a little caption that people spread around on the internet. That's not the original definition of the word meme, but today that's what a meme is. So, and I know you've seen this. It's a, it's a picture of a guy with a mullet haircut and he's holding up this sign that he's handwritten lettering on the sign and it says, get a clue, moron. And moron is spelled wrong. <laughs> I, I'm sure that that is not what what was on that guy's sign. That's probably something somebody made up in Photoshop, but you periodically see this, get a clue moron thing. And it got me thinking about that might make a good topic for a show. Um, so today what I'm going to talk about is what goes on at jam sessions. Now it also, sometimes what I'm going to talk about actually happens on stage with bands it's not as common as at a jam session. It it may actually occur sometimes uh, when you're watching a pickup band play or even an established band that, for whatever reason, is suddenly playing on stage with somebody who is not a regular member. You do see it sometimes on stage, but typically what I'm going to talk about occurs at jam sessions. And remember... I'm talking about bluegrass jam sessions. There are a lot of kind of jam sessions, and I'm only talking here about bluegrass jam sessions. And I will freely admit that there are a wide variety of bluegrass jam sessions. I'll get into some of that a little bit further into the show. So remember that jams, jam sessions, bluegrass jam sessions are heavily populated by two groups of players two types of players. And here I, here I go again with separating things into groups of two. Actually, this is going to be groups of three, but they're heavily populated, the jams, by what I would call newbies or noobs and the, and the clueless. Now, that doesn't, don't take that the wrong way if you're a newbie or you're clueless. It just means you don't know. There's nothing wrong with that because everybody, everybody started out in that same place. But jam sessions are the first opportunity that a newbie has to actually try to play some bluegrass, aside from perhaps playing along with jam tracks or something. So you're going to get a high percentage of newbies and the clueless. You're also going to have a high percentage of the cranky old stuck in their ways diehards. These these people that have been around a long time and they have one way of doing things and it's their way. And uh, these are the two groups that come together and merge into the typical jam session. You don't find a lot of people at jam sessions who don't fall into one of those two camps. There are plenty of musicians who fall in the, into the middle. They have graduated from the newbie and they're somewhere on that scale 
between newbie and burnout cranky has been, who's just trying to relive the past. But those are the opposite far ends of the scale. In the middle, the middle is occupied by these these folks, and they're mostly playing in bands. They're mostly members of bands. They're out there actually doing it. They may only be doing it part-time, or they may be doing it regionally, or they may be doing it nationally or internationally. But those folks in the middle, they don't tend to hang around jam sessions. They're busy playing music in a band. But those, all those newbies and all those, you know, old cranky, old farts, they're, uh, they're the ones who tend to show up at the jam sessions. And when, when you're talking about those folks in the middle, it doesn't mean that they never jam, but you get so preoccupied with playing with the band that you're in that jamming becomes kind of secondary. It's just not as important. When I started, I went to a lot of jam sessions. I jammed at festivals. I went to regular jam sessions held on Monday night, you know, at Julian's Tavern. I went to a lot of jams because that's all I had. And then as I put bands together, I jammed less. And then you began to play the festival circuit and doing things like that. And you would do a lot of jamming because you didn't have anything else to do. You know, you, you had a set at two o'clock and then you had another set at eight and there was nothing to do in between. So you sat around, you picked and that little picking would sometimes turn into a jam session or, you know, when you're finished, you'd done your last set. You may wander around the campground, try to find some jamming going on. Done a lot of that. But just in general, what I'm, what I'm proposing here is that most jam sessions are more heavily populated by the new, the unknowing, and by the old who know everything, you know? And that, that, that may sound negative. Um, and in some cases it is negative. I'll get to, I'll get to the negative here later. I mean, there's a lot of people that have been doing this a long time that are very friendly people. In fact, most of the people at jam sessions are really nice people. You know, when you show up at a jam, let's, let's just assume that you're a newbie or you're pretty new to this and you show up at a jam and you make some sort of faux pas, you know, you, you, you do something not in the bluegrass way. They, you know, the other people, they tend to let it slide. They don't, they don't call you out on it. They don't lecture you or you know, try to humiliate you, certainly not publicly because they remember, you know, I remember when I was that guy, you know, I was that guy. And so you, you do things that aren't really, you know, the bluegrass way and they smile at you and they, you know, you take your little mandolin solo and they encourage you and they, they, they'll compliment you on your playing They'll even a lot of times uh, slow down and, you know, ask you what song you want to play. And they try to include you. I mean, it's, it's generally pretty nice people at jam sessions. But here's where the problem lies, is that with all that niceness, you may, may take you a while to learn, learn the ropes, you know, to really learn maybe what you what you might ought to do at a jam session, how you might 
perhaps behave or what kind of songs and what kind of material and how does the bluegrass machine function and you know what is your role as a as a you know dobro player bass player fiddle player whatever um it it slows down the learning process because you're getting a lot of compliments you're going hey that's great you know it sounds really good on that thing and so that niceness um well while it may be true they what they're saying may be true you do sound good on that thing but what they don't tell you is this you sound really good on that thing for a person who's only been playing for like 10 minutes and who has no clue of what bluegrass is in parentheses and you know we hope you'll come back you know next week so what i'm saying is all that niceness sometimes you know papers over the learning process things that you know maybe it'd be nice if somebody did call you out and just tell you you know i recently saw this and, and I, this is not the only time i've seen this i've seen this happen a number of times it's not super frequent but i have witnessed this sort of thing enough times to know that i'll probably see it again i saw this guy he's a banjo player at a jam session and he was getting a little frustrated with this other player and the other player was having some timing problem problems and uh he said something to the effect of, I mean, just at the end of the song, just blurted out, you know, what the heck are you doing? Are you even listening? Do you, do you ever listen? You know, it's not, not very nice. Those, those sort of comments are pretty rare. You know, and here, here's a more likely scenario for, let, let's say, the exact same situation was taking place. You had somebody sit down at a jam session, they're just really having a lot of trouble, and they don't know what they're doing, and it's not sounding good. And, you know, the old cranks are not digging what you're doing. It's a lot more common for them to, uh, you know, say something encouraging to you. Um, perhaps, you know, wait till a break and you know, get you over to the side and maybe ask you, you know, are you, are you hearing yourself? Okay. Over there, you know, they're having trouble hearing. Um, or they might like, I, I've done this before with a, with a brand new mandolin player, you know, just pulled it out of the UPS box that day and, you know, got talked into finally getting it out and pulling it, pulling it out and have no, no concept of, of what a chop cord or an offbeat is or anything like this. I've had some of my students, you know, I've, after they've been taking lessons while I'm, you know, trying to talk them into going to a jam session, then they show up and I know what they're capable of, but the other, the other players don't have a clue as to what this person knows or doesn't know. And they may kick off a tune that's too fast or, you know, sometimes just in a friendly way, what I'm saying is what, what happens sometimes at jam sessions is somebody who notices you don't quite have it all figured out might pull you aside and just show you a couple things that happens all the time in the bluegrass world people showed me things and i've shown people things it's just the way bluegrass works it doesn't do any good to just you know blurt out what you're really thinking you know it just doesn't 
And because of that, because people don't just, it's, it's like this. If, if, if you uh, run into somebody and you say, Hey, uh, how do you like my tie? And they say, Oh man, that's a good looking tie. You don't really know if they like that tie or not. They may just be being nice. They may say, well, you know, in their own mind, they're thinking, well, really that, that fish tie is not really appropriate for you know, this restaurant. The fish tie makes you look like an idiot, like some kind of clown. Okay. And that tie with the, the Mickey Mouse heads all over it, like, God, what are you thinking, man? So people won't tell you the truth. And thank good, thank goodness people don't tell the truth. But uh, what happens also is that the newbie who innocently and through no fault of their own doesn't know, doesn't know, you know, like how the bluegrass thing goes, how it works, you know, the rules of the game. And sometimes the rules of this specific jam session, which I'll come back to that later. But this poor, innocent um, person comes in and they get a lot of nice comp compliments and comments. And that, that may, they may get to thinking, wow, I'm, hey, this is great. I'm, I'm doing pretty good. And it tends to keep them doing what they were doing. And all those nice folks, they're withholding the truth from you. And thank goodness for that, you know. But they may um, exchange knowing glances among themselves, like look at each other, you know, give these little rolls of the eye or begin to avoid you or just avoid contact, eye contact with the player. And maybe even, you know, do a little under their breath whispering like, dang, dude, I wish that guy would tune that stupid thing. And the guy he said it to just smirks and shakes his head. <laughs> you know, those things happen. And if you're, you're, if you're a highly sensitive person whose ego can easily be damaged, when you go to a jam session and everybody's patting you on the back and saying, wow, that was great. That was the best version of Cripple Creek I've ever heard for a guy that's only been playing three weeks. That was really good, man. Don't be so sensitive that you're thinking, yeah, but what do they really think of me? You know, don't, don't, don't get into that. But just so you'll know, I'm going to tell you some of the things that, that people actually think and that I have thought a few times. So let's say you're that person and you walk into a jam and you got your case in the hand and you know, you're, you, you're sitting in and here's what in general, those other players, maybe who they don't know you, let's say you're at a festival and you walk up and you got a mandolin case in your hand and they don't have a mandolin player. Here's what they're hoping. These are the thoughts that they're hoping when they see you walk up with that mandolin. They hope that you can play that thing. That you, that you really know how to play that thing. And they also hope that you're, you're a singer. They hope you can sing. And you know, if, if the person thinking that is a lead singer and they don't have a good tenor in there, they're hoping that you're a tenor singer. If they're a tenor singer and the guy beside him is a, has a got a good strong lead, he is just really hoping that, man, you can play that mandolin and you can really hit some nice, warm, big, fat baritone on the trios. And that they, these guys, when they see you walk up, they hope you know 
all of the songs that they do. They hope you know them all. And they hope that you have good timing, that you play in tune, and you've got really good taste, and that it matches exactly what their concept of what kind of bluegrass they like to play. They hope that you're that perfect person. But they also, all those other jammers, they also secretly hope that you're not too good because they don't want you to sit down and start making them look bad, start ripping through tunes that, you know, only the bass player can keep up with. They don't want you uh, making them look bad. And uh, so you see what I'm saying? When you walk up into an unknown jam session, that's the kind of things they're hoping for. But that doesn't mean that you're going to fulfill all those things. So let's say you can fulfill some of those things. You're a pretty good singer. You can sing tenor. Well, they got a tenor guy, but, you know, you can also sing a little bit of baritone. And, you know, you you play decent breaks on stuff and some fills and you don't miss too many chords. And, you know, some of the stuff that they're doing and can kind of fake your way through. You know, they're happy with that, you know. They're hoping for one thing, but nobody is ever going to deliver everything that is hoped for. But you could move over to another jam session, the very same player, and have a completely different experience because of what those people are hoping you can do. Now, admittedly, as people jam with each other and they get to know each other, they begin to learn what the person has and what they bring to the table, you know? And and this is why... uh, I tend to like, you know, jam sessions at bluegrass festivals better than regularly scheduled jam sessions. Like, you know, first Thursday of the month down at, uh, whatever. And here's why at festivals. And by the way, I think you'll probably enjoy them better too. Whatever level player you are anywhere along that spectrum I talked about. And here's why festival jams are so much better at festivals. There's typically a a greater pool of pickers and they tend to drift around and find people that they enjoy playing with. And the musicians kind of coalesce into these generally happy groups of people who have found, you know, gears that mesh with them. And so it's just a lot more fluid with more opportunities for the kind of music you want to happen to happen. You know, in other words, for folks to find what they're looking for. I think the same could be said for some of these, uh, you know, bluegrass conventions like Spigma or IBMA, you know, any place where there's a lot of jamming going on, you got a much greater opportunity to find some other people who are wanting to do what you do and mesh good with you. Whereas at these regularly scheduled jam sessions, I went to a lot of them around Atlanta because there was a a bluegrass organization that that began spawning new chapters all around Atlanta. And there were these, each chapter would tend to have a monthly jam session. So I went to quite a few of these over the years. And what you tend to find at a regularly scheduled jam session is you tend to get the same old crop of pickers Every time it's the same people going back each time, each time, each time, same old pickers with, you know, some drop-ins, 
and same old songs, because if you got the same old people, you're going to have the same old songs, you know? And then most of those regularly scheduled jams tend to operate on this, like we're all sitting in one big happy circle and we're going to jam together, you know, whether it's three people or 18 and this big circle and some of them, if the circle gets to be too big, it may spawn it almost like cellular. Uh, what do they call that? Uh, when a, when a single celled animal, you know, buds and produces a copy of itself and it drifts off and now it's its own thing. Those circles can sometimes do that, but, but a lot of times these, these scheduled jams, there's no place to do that. It's like they got one spot in the back of this place and there isn't another room or, you know, but sometimes there is, we, I used to go to this uh, jam that had a, had a jam like that in the main room. But this place had porches all the way around. It was in an old train depot. And so if the weather was nice, sometimes these secondary jams would spawn and appear out on the porches. And so there may be four jams going on. I like those better because that's beginning to approach what you see at festivals. Because if you just force everybody to sit together and all do the same thing, Somebody's not going to be happy, you know. Somebody's not going to be getting what they want out of it. The other thing about um, regularly scheduled jams is that they always tend to have a more rigid set of rules and kind of behavioral or social norms, you know, things like we always sit in a circle or and we always go around the circle clockwise. And things like, when you see me raise my foot up, that means we're going to stop. Stuff like that. And uh, uh, here's here's one. We go around the circle, and when it's your turn, you get to call out a tune, or you can pass on it. You know, I actually kind of like that rule. If I'm going to be sitting in a circle, it at least assures that somebody's not going to be totally overlooked and skipped. Where, you know, if you're jamming at a festival and this, this sort of amorphous jam just appears and people are, you know, just coalescing without rules, sometimes people do get skipped. And you get skipped a few times, you realize that maybe, maybe you should just wander down, you know, go down, look around, maybe find another jam. And, you know, just on the other side of that big RV, there may be the perfect jam for you. And those things don't happen much at these regularly scheduled jams. Here's another little rule that I've seen. Not really a rule, but just sort of an attitude that I've seen at some of these is that we don't like noisy kids. Leave your kids at home kind of attitude. I've seen that. Unless, of course, the kid can play. And if he can play and knows all their material and, you know, is their perfect idea of what a mantle player or a fiddle player should be, then, then, then the kid's okay. But if, if the kid's just goofing around, you know, I've seen it more than once, you know, dirty looks for having kids. And, and there's this thing you hear a lot in bluegrass, bluegrass, very family friendly and, you know, any age. And, and it is true taken as a whole. That is absolutely true, but you're going to run into some jams. I'm not talking about a crying baby. I'm talking about, you know, your nine-year-old kid who knows 
boil him cabbage down on the mandolin. And he's welcome, but only for a song or two. After after a while, he even gets bored with it because he doesn't know it, what else to do. And maybe he's, you know, running around, goofing around and stuff. And, you know, sometimes those kids are not as welcome as people pretend you know, people pretend to really love kids, but sometimes, you know, you got this guy who's in his mid sixties and he's already raised his kids and he's glad they're out of his house and he don't want any kids around. You see this. So at festivals, I don't see that problem. There's plenty for, for kids to do to burn off steam and run around and do stuff and maybe sit down and jam a little bit and then go off and run around down by the lake or whatever. And it just doesn't seem to annoy anybody as, as opposed to putting them inside a room, you know? So another thing um, that you'll, you'll see at these regularly scheduled jams is that, you know, the unknowing newbie comes in and instead of people helping them out and explaining the deal, I mean, you do see that. I'm not saying that doesn't occur, but sometimes there's just a lack of communication and that the only thing the newbie has to go on are the, uh, you know, the dirty looks and the, um, they just sort of have to figure it out on their own, you know, or they get this professorial type of, uh, person who explains the ropes to them, you know, and, uh, anyway, what I'm saying is, at regularly scheduled jams, those type of things, they tend to become this same old thing with some kind of set in stone rules. And sometimes if you find one and you really like it, Hey, great, get in there and have fun. But you know, you may, you may go to one of those and uh, not really even figure out how it really works because sometimes people are just too nice and they're not telling you, you know, they're not cluing you in. Anyway, all this stuff I'm talking about are just kind of general observations. I know jams differ because the people at the jams are different. You know, you can have a jam that's sort of run like a, like an army camp, you know, or there's some guy in charge, you know, <laughs> and sometimes it's like, hey, nobody's in charge, you know, and it, it you're just going to see a lot of different things in bluegrass jams. But again, go to festivals and you'll have a lot more to choose from. Um, you know, even sometimes jams, when I'm, I'm talking about bluegrass jams, obviously they are centered around the idea of playing bluegrass, but you don't have to be around bluegrass very long to realize that there are subcategories of bluegrass, you know, traditional, progressive, you know, hippie jam band slash moving into old time, you know, it's okay country and or gospel, you know? And so you kind of have to figure out what kind of jam, you know, if, if you're going to your first bluegrass jam session and you're bringing your bongo drums, uh, at one particular jam, you may be welcome as could be and just have a great time because their definition of bluegrass includes weird stuff like bongos. <laughs> They're cool with that, you know? But at other ones, they may actually ask you to leave, you know, you know what I'm saying? And maybe one of these days I'm going to do an episode on 
what I call the outlier instruments, the instruments on the fringe of bluegrass. I, I am going to do that. I might do that in the next episode. All I'm saying is some jams are accepting of fringe instruments and even fringe styles and fringe material things that, you know, are outside of the normal boundaries of, of classic traditional bluegrass. And sometimes they're not, you know, it's just, you don't know unless you go. But once again, at those, at festivals, you just find the people that are, that are cool with it and you'll have a great time. So anyway, I thought that it might just be a, me be a little bit of fun to, uh, say, just say out loud some of the things that people don't tend to say because they're too nice. You know, that, that one guy that just called that dude out and embarrassed him in front of everybody. That's pretty rare. And I have a feeling that guy immediately, because of the looks he got from the other players, immediately wished he hadn't said it. And he was probably over there, you know, talking to the person he said it to later, you know, like, Hey, you know, I'm, I didn't mean to blah, blah, blah. And, you know, I was just, you know, I'm sure he was backpedaling. Um, but anyway, I thought it might just be fun to, uh, rip through a list of things that people think, but they don't tend to say. And here's one. And th th this applies to all instruments. Doesn't matter what instrument you play and you're there at the, at the jam session and song after song goes by and you're playing your instrument and you are playing lead. You're playing the melody throughout the whole song from start to finish playing red haired boy. You're playing red haired boy 14 times in a row. You are playing red haired boy all the way through. What they don't tell you is dude, that is not cool. They may do that in the old time jams. They may do that in the Celtic jams. I don't really know because I don't, I don't play old time and I don't play Celtic, but I've heard that, that, that that's cool to play the melody to red haired boy 14 times in a row that maybe that's what other people do. But around these here parts, we're trying to play bluegrass and we take breaks. So when it's your break, you play lead. And when it's not your break, shut up with that thing. Quit playing lead. You're covering up the fiddle player. That mantle player over there is getting irritated at you. Try playing a little backup. Maybe play the chords. You know? Got it? That's, they, they won't tell you that. They'll just let them go and let them go because everybody's trying to be nice to each other, you know? But if you heard this podcast and you're that person, well, just ask yourself, should I play my solo? Like, I only know Cripple Creek. Should I play Cripple Creek? A-A-B-B-A-A-B-B all the way through this thing? I don't really know. And why should the newbie know? The newbie doesn't know. But if they told them, they would have told them pretty much what I just told you. So maybe you know somebody. Maybe these none of these things apply to you. But maybe you know somebody who might gain something from this list. Wait till I go through the list. And if you think so, just send them a link to the show. Maybe not even to this particular episode and say, hey, I found this really, really good podcast that talks a lot about bluegrass. I think you might learn something from it. Check it out, you know. And maybe they'll get a clue, moron. Okay, number two, and this is for guitar players. Okay, Mr. Guitar Player, bring a capo and learn how to use it. This is not jazz. This is not rock and roll. This is bluegrass. 
And we like capos. We actually like the sound of a B chord capoed at the fourth fret where you're playing a G. We like that. And yes, we're very impressed that you know how to play all those bar chords and you do it very well, but it just don't sound like bluegrass and we don't like it. Would you kindly put a capo on? Oh, and by the way, when we do occasionally hit that B minor chord, those bar chords will come in handy. You know, most of these bluegrass guys, they actually know how to play some bar chords too. But in this style, we like our guitar players to carry a capo. So, you know, consider dropping 20 bucks on a capo and maybe listening to some bluegrass records and seeing what the guitar players tend to do in a bluegrass band, okay? Number three, this is also for guitar players and, you know, a lot of innocent newbie guitar players. Some of them who are very good guitar players sit down at, at a bluegrass jam session and they start strumming. Boom, strumming, 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 everything in like four, four time or something. And, you know, if I were just going to speak my mind, I would say, hey, dude, this ain't, we ain't playing the Eagles. You know, just sped up. No, no, no. Dude, have you ever heard of Jimmy Martin? Or you ever listen to Del McCurry? Listen to him. That All that strumming you're doing is just a muddy mess. And we get going pretty fast. And what you're doing when it's sped up is just going to sound like... Got it? Okay. Number four. And this is to, to the bass player. To that dude, that, that electric bass player that sat down, drug his amp in, sat down, somebody might actually be thinking, hey, dude, I don't care how good you are on that electric bass. I don't care about your slap style and your funk licks. Got it? You know? And it's not, bluegrass is not a constant bass solo. Could you just kind of chill out a little bit, you know, maybe just play the one, five, one, five, you know? You know, less is more. You got it? That's that's the way we like bluegrass. And by the way, could you turn that amp down a little? Number five, and this is to everybody, all instruments. Excuse me, but tune that thing. Or I'm going to come over there and bust that thing right over your head. God. Number six. This is mandolin players. Hey, I know you heard that a mandolin is when he's backing up is supposed to play this offbeat chop, but brother, you are giving me a headache. You're whacking that thing way too hard. Okay. That Collings that you spent all that money on has got one whale of a chop and it's just too much, you know, just kind of ease up a little bit there. Okay. Just, you know, chops is more about when and less about, you know, how much. Okay. Oh, man. Number seven. This is for mandolin players. Offbeat. We like, you know, offbeat. Listen to the bass player. He's over there going, boom, you hit the chick. Boom, chick, boom, chick, boom, chick, boom. You think you could do that? We don't need another guitar player. Okay. Eight is for the fiddle player. Hey, wow, man. That classical training that you have is pretty awesome. Too bad. It's just too bad you've never actually heard bluegrass and you pretty much have no soul. No soul. soul. May I suggest that if you get off your flipping high horse, 
Maybe go buy a Kenny Baker record. You know, scope it out. You're going to find that stuff's a lot harder than you think. Uh, number nine, the harmonica guy. First thing, harmonica's cool, but, uh, you know, bring more than one of them because we're going to play in some keys. We're not going to sit here and play in the key of E all night just because you only know four blues licks, you know? Okay. And maybe, you know, perhaps, maybe just try a little straight harp and see if you can maybe play a scale and maybe look into some of the tunes that we play as bluegrassers and maybe take it upon yourself to say, hmm, wonder what the melody is to old Joe Clark and then see if you can find it on your harmonica and then come back and play old Joe Clark, you know? Oh, and by the way, you play really good. It's just that this ain't, this ain't no blues band. Okay. And, uh, it's obvious that you've never heard any of the songs that we're playing and that's a drag, but you know what? If I came to hear you playing with your blues band, I wouldn't know any of your stuff either. So I wouldn't sit in with you. Here's one for the dulcimer player. And I'm a dulcimer player. I have a dul I've even written a dulcimer course. I love the dulcimer. And uh, dulcimer player, I feel for you. Nobody here can even hear you, which actually they're kind of happy about. But sadly, nobody wants to hear you. Not at this jam session. Maybe, you know, like when everybody quits and is standing around drinking coffee, probably half these people would like to actually try out your dulcimer. But, you know, when they're playing sitting on top of the world, they're not going to even give you a break. And if you did play a break, they would be just going through the motions, rolling their eyes, going, Lord have mercy. A lot of bluegrass people like the dulcimer, but I'm telling you, Find a dulcimer jam. You know what I mean? Um, number 11. And this is to the uh, guy that walks into the jam session with a, a green octave mandola or something. It's like, I don't even know what that thing is. Which, by the way, he doesn't know how to play. And he's asking around if anybody knows how to tune it. I've run into things like that. It is not that person's fault. But, you know, if I was that jerk going to just tell him what I really think which I would probably not ever do. But if I did, I'd say, uh, just leave that stupid thing in the case. And uh, since you're not doing anything, could you go get me another beer? That's the kind of stuff people aren't saying. I actually uh, ran into a guy who, who was in a similar situation. He was just kind of sitting on the fringes of a jam, had this octave mandolin. And I went uh, during one of the breaks and just, you know, tried to work out, uh, you know, help him get it in tune and show him a couple of chords so he could play on the tunes that we were doing and uh, try to help him out. Anyway, number 12, uh, this is for the vocalist. This is the, not really a bluegrass musician because everybody knows that if you're going to play bluegrass, you pretty much must play an instrument. You see some of these girl singers that uh, really good singers and they maybe become a little frustrated with the the difficulty of becoming established as a country music singer. And so they think, Hey, I've heard of Alison Krauss and I can sing some of her songs. I've done it at karaoke. Maybe I should, uh, you know, start a bluegrass band or get in a bluegrass band. And, you know, maybe this gal can really sing. And by the way, this could be guys too. 
and they they find out very quickly that they're expected to play an instrument so a lot of them hold a mandolin for for a while and some of them actually learn to play it and become very good instrumentalists but it's it's just a given in bluegrass you play an instrument and sing you're just not going to get a pass to just be a singer there there have been some exceptions you know like the lewis family there have been exceptions but okay so to that vocalist you know some of the guys and whatever in the jam they see you and they they know you can sing and they say hey get up and sing one well here's the stuff uh that they don't tell you you know maybe it goes like this this, this girl gets up and they they say so what what do you want to do and she suggests like a nancy i, I don't know you know some song that's not a bluegrass song nancy griffith or something and everybody's like oh yeah i vague you know most people are like we vaguely know that i've ever heard that all right so they play the song the band didn't really know it very very well and it, it wasn't all that good but uh, you know uh she did she was singing fine so they asked her well stick around do, you know do a couple of our songs so you could sing some harmony do you sing harmony sure and that leads me to number 13 harmony singers okay harmony at the very at the very root of harmony is that the let's say you have two people singing in harmony they will sing different notes not the same note so if i'm singing a g and you're singing a g that's not really harmony i mean i suppose in a musical theory way it is it's called a unison but i used to make this crack about uh, under my breath to whoever was sitting next to me Man, I, you know, about had enough of sitting here playing with the Unison Valley Boys or whatever. You know, it's like, you know, harmony is singing different notes. So, you know, the lead singing one thing and you sing something else. And so oftentimes this, uh, it's often a girl, often a cute girl. And that's why they're asking, they don't mind her being up there to, to sing with them. And she sings good, sings good but maybe just doesn't know much about harmony singing certainly doesn't know the material and is looking over your shoulder and reading the lyrics off the off the music stand and they're singing you know whatever old, old home place in the key of g and then on the chorus the harmony singer just comes in and sings the the melody one octave higher well singing an octave above the melody is not bluegrass harmony no matter how good it sounds, it's not bluegrass harmony. You know, it'd be nice if you uh, listen to some bluegrass and see if you could sing a harmony part to the lead. Got it? Okay. Number 14 is for the banjo beginner. Can't play anything yet, but you figured out this offbeat chop. And the darn thing is getting really annoying, you know? Chop, 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 chop all night long. It's getting old, man. Maybe you stuff a rag in that thing. Or, you know, maybe learn two versions of the G chord instead of just that one. Maybe even strive for three versions of G and you could just at least switch. And when that mandolin is over there chopping and that fiddle is over there doing the same thing, chuck, 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 and you're doing it. And it's like there's way too much chop going on here. So.
keep practicing there, buddy. And uh, hope to see you at the next jam. Here, here, 15 is for the intermediate banjo player. He's already picking. He's got some tunes down. He's got, you know, four or five instrumentals he's going on. And the crowd, the jam says, hey, what do you want to play? And he says, I'll play Foggy Mountain Breakdown. And he cuts down on Foggy Mountain Breakdown. He plays all 14 variations of it back to back to back. And he, you know, ends it. It's like, wow, the crowd's loving it. And uh, the thing they don't say to you is, hey, that was great. Except you see that Dober player over there? You never gave him a break. And see that man on play over, over there? He's got a pretty good break, Foggy Mountain Breakdown, too. You didn't even, you never did throw it to him. And the fiddle player, same deal with him. You know, they would have all liked to take a break, you jack. They don't tell you stuff like that. And so you go away thinking, oh, I did pretty good. Well, you did pretty good, but you just haven't learned all the rules and ropes and how bluegrass works, you know. Then comes uh, number 16. This is for the more advanced banjo player. Finally got talked into getting his banjo out and sit in with a jam. And this is the thing they don't say to him. Okay, listen, Earl. You sat out there listening to us for 30 minutes, hoping we'd ask you to get that thing out. And we did. Now, pal, did you hear anything even closely approaching 180 beats a minute? Look at these people. You're, you're very experienced. You're a really good banjo player. And you, you look around this room. Did you see anybody that could keep up with you at 180 beats a minute? Just what the are you thinking? And then, to give people dirty looks that they couldn't cut it, you know, why don't you not come back? You know, here's number 17. This is for the, the, the poor, innocent rock folk guitarist who knows 500 songs. Only three of which have ever been done in a bluegrass style. This is the stuff that they don't say to that guy. Look, just stop already. We get it. We know that you know every Crosby, Stills, and Nash tune, okay? You know all the Dan Fogelberg stuff. You can finger-pick James Taylor, and we know now, thanks to you telling us that you once met Leo Kotke, you know? That's really great. Now, get lost. This is number 18. This is for everybody. Everybody at any kind of a jam session. This is what they don't, they don't, you don't hear. You know, they're playing along, they're playing a tune in G, then they play another one in G, then they play another one in G, and then somebody says, hey, let's do that Banks of the Ohio. And somebody says, is that in G or in A? As if there are only two choices. It's either in G or A. Because, frankly, that jam session, everything is either in G or A. That's it. This is what... Some of the jammers don't say, for crying out loud, could we please play something in B-flat or maybe F or maybe, maybe just once tonight in the key of B, please. I'll even do wagon wheel if you'll do it in B. I'm so sick of G and A. And you'll get, you'll hear things like, uh, you'll hear things like, Hey, why don't we play that sitting on top of the world? 
to which the person next to them will say, well, let's wait a minute because we're in G right now. When we move to A, we'll do it then. I've been in jams where the first hour was in G and the second hour was in A and that was it. And good night, everybody. Thanks for coming. Now, number 19, and this is to everybody, everybody who was ever in a jam session, unless it's a private jam and there's nobody there except the jammers, you're probably hanging around a restaurant, pizza joint, club, beer joint, somewhere, fish house, whatever. And there's people around you and they're drinking beer and telling stories, watching the baseball game and they're laughing, telling jokes, having a good old time. Maybe, maybe you jammers ought to look at them once in a while. Maybe just acknowledge that they actually exist. Maybe smile and say thank you when they clap at the end of your song. Instead of scowling and bellyaching and griping about how loud they are. Maybe throw them a bone and play dueling banjos or a wagon wheel for them. Turn towards them and play it for them and act like you like it. You know what? Never mind. Forget it. I'm going to put this thing in its case and I'm going to go hang out with them because they're having a whole lot more fun than you are. You're all sitting here belly aching and griping about how loud it is in this place. Maybe just next time you have a jam session, just have it in your garage and just invite your little friends over and don't invite an audience. Okay. This is the last one. Number 20. And I actually mentioned this in a previous podcast, but it, it came up in my mind. So you're at a festival and you found that perfect jam. You know, there's a lot of jams going on and you're in that really, really having a good time. You found some people and you're playing good together and it's, it's fun and the jam's are really going well. And then along comes, this is directed not to the newbie, not to the crusty old timer, not to the person in the middle, but to the working touring professional who happens to be at a bluegrass festival. This is what, when you walk up to their jam session, and you're going to play a tune with the little people. That's really a good thing. It really is. And here's what they don't say to you. They don't say, we are honored that you have drifted by our little campground jam session in between your sets. We loved your set. Actually, they probably would tell them that. We bought your CD. We bought tickets to this festival and we came to the festival because we saw that you were playing here. We saw your name on the flyer and wow, I am impressed. They might actually say this. I'm impressed that you aren't just hiding in your bus, that you're out here wandering around with folks like us. And it would be really cool if you got out that Dobro or got out that fiddle and played a few tunes with us. You know what? That would really, really be fun and cool. We know we're not worthy. We know we're not your caliber. But it would sure be fun. It would be really cool. Then the person starts jamming. 
Well, some folks around the campground begin to notice that that person is jamming and a little crowd begins to, to develop. And then there's a few more members of that pros band standing around being given the royal treatment. And uh, everybody's a little starstruck. And some of those players get their instrument out. Now you got four out of the five band members in that jam. And the crowd, the, the crowd that has gathered, the non-pickers are encouraging them. Hey, play that whatever. And it's some tune that they're well known for. And the band, those band members who just started working their way into this little jam session are pretty soon answering requests and basically performing. And they're doing their arrangements and they begin to ignore the pickers of that jam session that they were first just sitting in with. And now they've sort of taken over, but you know what? Big shot, fancy pro. See that fellow over there. Maybe he's playing a cheap mandolin or his old Dobro. You know, the guy, he was sitting there when you, when you first walked up, said hello to you, complimented you on your show. And he was really happy when you sat down to, to pick with him a little bit. But now, after 45 minutes of this, and your band has basically regrouped down there, after enjoying some, some barbecue that uh, somebody down in the camp made, fed y'all, and it's just turned into a show, another show. And the, a lot of the people are really liking it, but that old guy sitting there, he thinks you busted up a pretty good jam. And he's kind of thinking that you're a real And when you get on your bus and leave, for the next couple of years, every time your band name comes up, he's going to remind everybody what he thinks of you. So all I'm saying about that is that it is a wonderful thing that the pros will hop down off the bus or come out from the dressing room and hang out with the little people. I really think that's a great thing, but I think they also need to, if I can advise them in any way is that, you know, the ones that remain a little humble and remember that, you know, they've got their stage show to do up there. And that if, if they're going to come hang around the jams, you know, maybe just try to fit into that scene a little bit instead of trying to take it over. Anyway, those are some examples of the type of things that people think, but they don't say, and here I'm just stupid enough to actually say them. Plus, I thought it would be fun to uh, to uh, keep my uh, clean rating, and I thought it would be fun to beep out some words. So that's why I was uh, being as colorful as possible. But those are the things people are actually thinking. Anyway, I hope you had fun with this episode, and I will talk to you in the next podcast.